When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to another Headlines episode. New week, new environmental headlines that we need to know about Let's get right into it because we only have 15 minutes. We're going to Indonesia. We're specifically going to the capital city of Jakarta. Let's talk about Jakarta for a minute if you've never been. I've never been. 10 million people live in the city proper. Its geographical size is about half that of New York City. 20 million more people live in the areas around Jakarta. And Jakarta has a water problem. Specifically, it has a flooding and sinking problem. Now, Indonesia is a nation of islands, and Jakarta, again, the capital city, is sinking in some places by up to one foot per year. Around 40% of the capital city is currently below sea level. Climate change is part of the reason. The Java Sea is indeed rising But an even bigger factor to the sinking of Jakarta is that Jakartans are desperate for access to clean water. So there are thousands of illegal wells that have popped up in past decades, and these wells have effectively deflated the marshes that are underneath the city. Now, Indonesia has a very popular president. His name is Joko Widodo. He's in his ninth year in office. He's tried a bunch of things to remedy Jakarta's sinking because it is indeed an existential threat, right? He's raised seawalls. He's improved public transportation. He talked up the construction of artificial islands to break the waters that are hitting Jakarta. But these days, his solution is much bigger, much more audacious, and it is to move the capital city. Not just move it, you know, a couple miles. He's moving the capital to another island in Indonesia entirely. The new capital is now currently under construction. It is called Nusantara, and it's, again, being built from the ground up 800 miles from Jakarta. The president promises that the new city is indeed a new city. It's not just a replica of Jakarta. He aspires to build a green metropolis that is run on renewable energy with no choking traffic jams, verdant paths where much of the city is walkable. And Indonesians call the new capital IKN, and they hope it will indeed be that new high-tech city 
with a new mindset, a new green economy. It is important to say, however, that not everybody's on board. Not all of the president's potential successors support the plan. The plan does seem to be behind schedule. There have been no residential towers built, and the lead architect has said in interviews that he's worried that the rapid construction schedule could compromise safety. I wanted to cover this story first today because it's huge, right? We're moving a capital city of an island nation because parts of the island nation are facing an existential threat in part due to climate change. This is the type of big moves, literally and figuratively, that I expect we'll see more of in coming decades. Now we're moving on to trees here in America. Trees are moving north. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what on earth are you talking about, Stephanie? Trees do not have legs. Well, stay with me. I'm going to attempt to explain it. The U.S. Forest Service projects that as greenhouse gas emissions keep pushing temperatures higher, the growing ranges where trees have conventionally lived, they will be shifting northward. Now, if you're a gardener, you may already be familiar with plant hardiness zones. These zones represent the 30-year average of the coldest temperature at every location in the country. Your own plant hardiness zone is also impacted not just by cold temperatures, but also soil and rainfall and humidity. And so knowing the zone that you reside in is really smart when it comes to planting things because certain plants prefer certain zones. A plant that thrives in zone one likely cannot thrive in zone nine. And so the hardiness zones have always been a really useful tool to help people think about what they're planting and why they're planting it and where they should plant it. However, our zones, so I have always conventionally been a zone six, our zones are changing. By the end of the century, if I don't move my house and I stay here, I will no longer be a zone six. I will be living in a zone seven. Washington, D.C., the capital city, which is considerably south from me, is currently a Zone 7. They're projected to move to a Zone 8 by the end of the century. And so you're probably wondering, okay, well, what is this going to look like in real life? Well, let's talk about oak trees for a minute. They can grow as far north as Zone 7, traditionally. And so by the end of the century, plenty of oaks in Chicago and up into Michigan, but Lower parts of Florida likely will be too hot for live oaks. Now, trees live for a long time, don't they? And so if you're planting a tree in your yard today that's suitable for the zone you're in right this second, by the end of the century, your yard may no longer provide the conditions that tree needs to continue to survive. That tree will either need to adapt or it will die. And while it's choosing whether it's going to adapt or die, the tree will, of course, emit seeds that will travel. And the seeds that travel north to cooler temperatures, where the conditions are likely more suitable for the species, those seeds may indeed grow roots and then grow into trees. That's how trees, over decades, over generations, do indeed move. Moving on to record heat. I hope you like extreme heat because it's coming in the next five years. Let's back up and then we'll get into what forecasters at the World Meteorological Association have to say about it. 
But the record for the Earth's hottest year, do you know what year it was? The Earth's hottest year. It was 2016. Okay, 2016. So seven years ago, 2016 holds the record for the Earth's hottest year. Well, there is a 98% chance that at least one, at least one of the next five years will exceed the temperatures of 2016. And taking that one step further, the average temperatures from the years 2023 to 2027 will almost certainly be the warmest five-year period ever recorded. I'm going to just let that sink in for a minute because that's scary stuff. Now, forecasters at the World Meteorological Association, yes, they do believe that the warming that we have a 98% chance of seeing in the next five years is indeed due to human-caused global warming. It's also due to that climate pattern, that pesky little climate pattern called El Nino. El Nino is infamous for shifting precipitation patterns around the globe. And so while, yes, there is indeed an overall upward trend in global temperatures thanks to human actions like burning fossil fuels and pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, yes, global temperatures can bounce up and down from year to year because of natural variability. Surface temperatures around the globe tend to be hotter during El Nino years and cooler during El Nino years. All that said, scientists are indeed expecting El Nino conditions this coming summer here in the United States. And when you combine El Nino conditions with steadily rising levels of global temperatures, these two things happening together will likely cause temperatures to reach new heights. And if you're wondering, another new study came out this week, what are the most vulnerable regions in the world when it comes to extreme heat. Researchers at the University of Bristol found the following places to be most vulnerable because they have growing populations and limited healthcare access and limited energy resources. The areas include Afghanistan, Papua New Guinea, and various countries in Central America. We are going to take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss one of America's gems, and that is Yellowstone National Park. I'll see you in a minute. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. 
Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. We are at the time in the show where we discuss our feature story. Our feature story today has to do with Yellowstone National Park. So let's talk about Yellowstone for a minute. I have never been to Yellowstone, but it is on my bucket list for sure. The majority of it is in Wyoming, but a little bit is in Montana and a little bit is also in Idaho. Yellowstone National Park sits on top of a dormant volcano. It is home to more geysers and hot springs than any other place on Earth. The wildlife that lives in Yellowstone is quite diverse. It is home to America's largest buffalo herd. It has grizzly bears and wolves. And I don't think there's many people in America who are not on board with preserving Yellowstone's beauty for future generations. Thanks to President Grant's foresight in 1872, he made Yellowstone a national park and part of Creating a national park out of this area meant that Yellowstone was no longer able to be mined within its borders, mined for gold. Fun fact here I came across as I was researching the story. Yellowstone is the name of the park, not after the gold that is often found in the area, but after the yellow sandstone that is also abundant in the area. So President Grant creates this national park called Yellowstone. Can't mine inside the park, but you can still mine around the park on its peripheries. Now, of course, mining outside the park can still impact the park. I'm talking potential polluted streams. I'm talking the hampered migration of animals who don't know that there's a boundary around this specific area and come and go as they please. Over the years, the government has indeed halted mining around Yellowstone. Democrats, Republicans, everybody in between. In 1996, the Clinton administration struck a deal with a Canadian firm to stop a proposed gold mine near Yellowstone. The Obama administration protected 30,000 acres of federally controlled land near the park's northern entrance, so outside the park, for two years. And then in 2018, the Trump administration extended that two-year protection for another 20 years. So everybody's on board, right, with protecting Yellowstone. However, there is still one mine that is on private lands and is therefore not protected by Obama and Trump's, again, protection. 
The mine is owned by Crevice Mining Group and a nonprofit conservation group called the Greater Yellowstone Coalition is poised to purchase the mining rights for $6.25 million. So how do environmental groups usually get things done? Usually environmental groups do not outright buy things for millions of dollars simply because they don't have the money. Environmental groups tend to ask the government for help. Judges, lawmakers, they ask for legislative help. They ask for, plead, demand, picket for some legislative body to step in. Sometimes the government does indeed step in and sometimes it doesn't. It is very uncommon for green groups to just open up their wallets and write a big fat check. But they are doing that at Yellowstone. They are planning to buy the mining rights of Crevice Mining Group so that there will not be now and forevermore any mining in the area around Yellowstone National Park. Now, if you're wondering how it's looking, so far, the group has raised about $3.75 million. However, I mentioned that the group needs $6.25 million by October in order to successfully purchase these mining rights. I have linked to their fundraising page in the Seek show notes if you are feeling compelled to contribute. That's it for today. I will see you on Tuesday where we are talking rage decluttering. I haven't done a good old minimalism decluttering episode in a long time, so it's a little bit lighter, a little airier than the heavy stuff we've been discussing recently on the podcast. It's definitely lighter than discussing the commercialization of kids, which we discussed on Tuesday. And by the way, if you missed it, you got to check that one out. It was so good. So Rage Decluttering, that's on Tuesday. If you need me, reach out. If you like the show, let me know. If you like the show and listen on Apple, please leave it a review. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll see you Tuesday and take care.